0: Hey, good morning everyone. How'd you enjoy the extra hour of sleep? That was really bad, by the way. <laughs> Some of you just said, I just woke up an hour earlier. That's all. I didn't really, didn't do anything for me. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Those of you who are joining us online. Um, you know, one thing that, that we discover in our walk with Christ is that God desires your faith to be alive. You know, the the last thing God wants for us is just to come to church once a week and that's it or just make it a religious thing. But God actually wants us to put our faith that we believe about him into action to make our life with Christ something that's alive and vibrant. You know, when I was younger, I thought faith was just going to church on Sunday and that was it. I didn't realize it was this everyday thing that God wanted to have this active part of my life every single day. You know, it's simply more than just believing in God, but it's knowing that God desires to change our lives, to walk by faith each and every day, even in the even in the, the face of difficult circumstances, that God wants our faith to be alive. And there's a story in the Old Testament that just intrigues me. And it's God calling Abraham. We can read this in the book of Genesis. And this to me is just an intriguing, intriguing story because really it's a story about faith. When someone who I, I would think would look at this calling of God in their lives to leave everything and to follow him would just seem ridiculous. And I want to read this in, in Genesis chapter 12 because there's this calling of Abraham in the first two verses of Genesis 12. And let me read that for you. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, everything you know, everything you're comfortable with in your retirement years, move away from your shuffleboard court, everything that you see is comfortable, move away from that. and, And this is what I'm going to do. Your people and your father's household to a land I will show you, and I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now... Abram is his name and God changes it. The the name Abram means high father and he changes it to Abraham in Genesis 17, which means a father of a multitude. God is going to give Abraham a new identity, one that's going to walk by faith, that's going to trust God. And so God calls Abraham to leave everything he knows and he's 75 years old at this time. 75 years old. So, so much was against Abraham. Sarah, his wife, has no children yet, well past childbearing years, and they will have to give up everything to follow God. And so Abraham believes in God, but he would have to show his faith by following and obeying God and believing for the miraculous. In order for Abraham to truly believe in God, he would have to step out in faith and really believe in the promises of God that what God promised to Abraham would come true. And what we know from Abraham's lineage, he would uh, eventually would come the Messiah, Jesus, who would come into this world to rescue us from our sins. Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Christ. And here's the thing I want you to understand about Abraham. Abraham didn't know the full extent of what God was doing, but his obedience made his faith real. It was his obedience to God that made his faith real. And what makes our faith real is our obedience. What makes our faith come alive is our obedience to God even when it doesn't make sense. And really, this is what the whole book of Ruth is about. We've been studying, we've been taking a deep dive into the book of Ruth. And really, this Old Testament book of Ruth is really about trusting God when it seems impossible. The core of the book of Ruth, the theme of the book of Ruth is never giving up. And it's about walking with God by faith, step by step by step. And the story of Ruth is just intriguing to me because Ruth is not an Israelite. She's a Moabite, which would be considered an enemy of God. And the way Ruth is introduced to Naomi's family, who Naomi and her husband were Israelites, is they moved from Bethlehem, their hometown, to Moab to try to find food when there was a famine in the land. And Naomi has two sons, and they marry these Moabite women. One was Ruth, and the other was Orpah. And as they're living there, disaster strikes their family. Ruth loses her husband, Orpah loses her husband, and um, Naomi loses her husband. So you have three women who are destitute, and they have no husband, they have no children. And so basically, Naomi says, listen, I'm going back to my homeland. I hear that there's bread in Bethlehem, and I'm going to go back. You two go back to your homeland. Go back to Moab. Go back to your people and your God. Get married. Have children. Don't follow me down my road. My road leads nowhere. There's no prospects down my road. And that's the way Naomi felt. And so you have these three women and they're at a crossroads. And they're all crying. And they're getting ready to leave. Orba goes back to her homeland, to her people and her gods. But what's interesting about the story that we learned about Ruth. What does Ruth do? She clings to Naomi. She doesn't leave her side. And she says something to Naomi. She goes, listen, your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. Your God will be my God. She literally clings to her. There's no prospects for Ruth. There's there's no hope for her with this road that she's going to go down. But she completely trusts the God of Naomi by faith. And God will bless her step by step by step now i wish that god would unfold his plan before our very eyes and let us know what's going to happen all the time wouldn't that be wonderful right but that's not how it works how many of us know that it's a step of faith each and every time of trusting god even in the face of things that just don't seem to make sense and for naomi and for ruth it just doesn't make sense but For Naomi, this makes sense to go back to her home. And for Ruth, it would make sense to go back to her homeland. But Ruth doesn't do that. She trusts the God of Naomi. And throughout the book, we're going to see, and we've been seeing, God's providence when it seemed so bleak, when it seems like there was nothing to look forward to, nothing to be happy about. In fact, um, Naomi, when she arrives in Bethlehem, she goes, Don't, they're like, Oh, here comes. A Naomi, and she goes, "Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara." And the word Mara means bitter. She's raw. She's hurting. It's not that she gave up on God, but she's hurting because she feels like life has just beat her down so much. And these are her raw emotions. These are her feelings. She's just bitter. She's saddened. She feels hopeless. But what God is going to do is God is going to use this Moabite woman Ruth to speak encouraging words to her mother-in-law by the way she trusts the God of her mother-in-law. And step by step, they're going to see the provisions of God. They're going to see the faithfulness of God work in their lives. God never wants us to give up. And I want you to notice the faith of Ruth. By faith, Ruth decides to follow her mother-in-law. And she follows back back to Bethlehem where there's a harvest. There's a harvest going on. And the unique thing about the harvest is a good landowner would leave the the edges of their field unharvested, so those that were desperate, those that needed food, could glean off the edges of the harvest of, of the harvest and of the fields. And so this was a provision for those who need it. And so what Ruth does is she goes into the fields and she begins to harvest. But the one field that she goes into is a owner, and his name is Boaz and and, and as we 've learned, Boaz comes into this story, and when word gets back to Naomi that Ruth was gleaning in the fields of Boaz, all of a sudden, Naomi goes uh oh god 's working because Boaz is a relative, Boaz." Can help us. She sees how God is not only providing food through Ruth as Ruth goes into the fields and works hard for her and her mother-in-law. But Boaz hears of the reputation of Ruth. Her reputation precedes her. Word gets around Bethlehem pretty quick in this small town. Uh, gossip travels fast. He hears of how she's taking care of her mother-in-law. He hears how her husband has died. And he's going to show favor upon their lives by blessing them with food. But Naomi sees something greater here. She sees Boaz as a redeemer, could be a redeemer for their family, a kinsman redeemer, one who could come and rescue them and take them out of their hopelessness. And so what we see in Boaz is we see a man who's godly. We see a man of integrity We see a man who cares and he takes notice of the good character. He hears of the humility of Ruth and her kindness. Naomi knows that Boaz is the key to Ruth's future and tells her to take a step of faith and initiate the relationship. Now, what we're going to read in Ruth chapter 3 today is going to sound a little bizarre. It's going to sound a little weird, but we're going to unpack it, and hopefully you'll learn something new in chapter 3. And she, she uses this word to describe Boaz as a kingsman redeemer, and she understood that from God's law, specifically in Leviticus 25, there was her provision made through a kingsman redeemer. Basically, a redeemer was a male relative who, could, who would have the responsibility to act on behalf of a relative in need or who was, who was destitute or in danger. The word redeemer means one who delivers or rescues. They could redeem their property or redeem a person. It was kind of a safety net. And, and, and so she sees Boaz as this kinsman redeemer. This could be the person that could redeem us. So Naomi understands that Boaz is a relative. He could be a redeemer for their family, but specifically for Ruth and bring them out of their hopelessness. But I want you to notice something here once again. Ruth is an outsider She's a foreigner. Boaz has no obligation to help Ruth. But Boaz shows tremendous grace to Ruth. He sees her compassion and her dedication to her mother-in-law in the face of such extreme opposition. You see, the law wasn't the main thing that motivated Boaz's heart. It was grace. He was a godly, godly man. And so what Naomi does is she encourages Ruth to take this next step of faith. What seems in our minds to make no, no sense at all. So let's read it in the story today. We're in Ruth chapter three and let's read verses one through five today. And it says one day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there until he is finished eating and drinking. Kind of A.K.A. Make sure that he's a little merry, merry from eating and, and drinking. Just kind of read between the lines there. And then in verse 4, it says, when he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his seat and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And look at verse 5. She says this, I will do whatever you say, Ruth answers. Ruth didn't, I mean, if this was me, I'm saying, huh? You want me to do what? You want me to go where? I mean, this is, really? But listen to the faith of Ruth. She she doesn't know everything. She may not understand all the biblical things. She doesn't understand Leviticus 25, the Kingsman Redeemer. But what is she doing? She's trusting her mother-in-law. She's trusting the God of her mother-in-law. And so what she does by faith, she does exactly what she tells her to do. Now, at first glance, at first glance, it would seem like some impropriety is going on here. What is going on here? But I want you to realize this morning that it couldn't be further from the truth. I want you to see what's going on here because we need to kind of get our minds out of the gutter, okay? So just get them out of the gutter for just a minute, okay? What she is actually doing here, when she lays at his feet, it is actually a marriage proposal. She was asking him to be her Kingsman redeemer. There was nothing sensual about the way Ruth was dressed. She was dressed for marriage by faith. She believed her mother-in-law and laid at the feet of a stranger by faith to believe that he could be the Kingsman redeemer it was a wholesome, wholesome thing. Now, it's hard for us to understand this in the customs of our world today, specifically in our culture today, and how things have been so perverted, and how the sanctity of marriage has whittled away and whittled away and whittled away. I want you to see that God sees marriage as a holy and precious thing. And that's exactly what's going on here. In fact, God sees marriage as actually a covenant. And a covenant speaks words of, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's why Jesus, when speaking of marriage, alludes back to Genesis when he says, a a husband shall leave his father and mother and he should be united or cling to his wife. And the two of them shall become one. It's a spiritual thing of becoming one, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. God sees this as something that is holy and pure. And I know in our world today, it's hard to see that. But God's word is God's word. And he knows what's best for us. And that's what we're seeing here. It's a marriage proposal. It's a wholesome thing. It's a holy thing that's going on in this situation. So what can we learn from these these short short verses. Well, l- let me give you a couple things here. Naomi helped Ruth to step out in faith. Naomi helped Ruth to step out in faith. Naomi didn't say, well, you know, whatever will be, will be. Okay, sara, You know, we'll just hopefully, you know, maybe Boaz will take notice. Maybe he'll do something. Naomi, Naomi wasn't fatalistic. She didn't sit back and, and do nothing. Ruth listened to her words and she'd obeyed, and she obeyed. Now, next week, the story takes a turn, so you've got to come next week. Next week, it takes a turn. Like every Hallmark movie in the middle, it takes a turn, right? And you think, oh, I thought they were going to get together. And then what happened? Now there's all this huge misunderstanding. It's not going to work out, right? Then all of a sudden, you know, it's a misunderstanding. And then it all works out at the end. Um, the Book We're going to see this next week. Same scenario, okay? Because Hallmark movies ripped off the book of Ruth. But anyways, it's the same scenario, okay? And we're going to see the same thing next week. But what I want you to understand is Ruth has this incredible faith. And she listens and she obeys and she did not allow her circumstances to thwart her future. She takes this incredible step of faith. Now, there are times in our lives where it's like, man, it seems like life beats us up or we have bad news and it can hammer our faith, can it? I mean, think of a time in your life where your faith was rocked. It was rocked and it usually comes from news, death, something that happened that actually rocked your faith. And you're standing there and you're the one that has to stand with God and believe that God is true to his promises. And I want you to realize that God is faithful to his promises to never leave us or forsake us. And it's a step of faith that we take this step of faith little bit by little bit by little bit. But she didn't allow her circumstances to thwart her future. And so what I want to tell you this morning is your faith needs to have feet. Your faith needs to have feet. And how do I how do I put my faith into action? How, how can my faith become real to me? How can it become real to me? What what we've learned in the book of Ruth is this: is that God revealed His faithfulness to Naomi and Ruth a little bit at a time. He didn't show He didn't show them everything. But a little bit of time, as they took that step of faith, God revealed his provisions, God revealed his faithfulness, and God showed them who he is. And you you begin to see the attitude of Naomi begin to change. A light bulb went off in her head. She's like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing, God. Oh, she happens to be in the field of Boaz who happens to be a relative who could be our, a kinsman redeemer for Ruth. She begins to see God's faithfulness in the face of extreme opposition. See, what caused the early church to grow exponentially? What caused the early church to grow is that they were obedient to the call of God in their life. When even persecution came against them, they were obedient to God and the calling that He placed in their life. I love um, Acts 242, because it kind of just explains the early church and, and, and what the early church was like and, and how the early church grew. But there's just some simple things that the early church did that caused them to grow and caused them to rely on each other. And it simply says this: they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were there for each other. They met together. They prayed together. They encouraged each other together. Let me tell you something. Church is so important because we need each other. We need to encourage each other. Um, it wasn't too long ago I was Kathleen and we were out and about and and uh, we were taking this walk to look at these waterfalls. And I was like, man, what a beautiful day. And these waterfalls are great. And there was these steps down to see this one waterfall, but you had to take turns going back and forth. So I had to wait in line. And as I'm waiting in line, there's a—I I, by accident cut in front of somebody. No, I did. I by accident so I looked and I go, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, to cut in front of you. He goes, no, that's okay. I was waiting for my wife. She's coming. I said, well, you guys go ahead. And he goes, no, that's fine. And she looked at me. And it's interesting how God just sends people our way just to encourage us sometimes when we're discouraged. So they were from Mississippi. So I'm getting this conversation with people from Mississippi. And, and she looked at me and uh, visiting um, upstate New York for the first time and just enjoying it. And I'm glad, wow, Mississippi and come to upstate New York. You go, you go. And uh, she looked at me she goes, Isn't God good? When someone says, isn't God good, or they say, have a blessed day, that's code for, okay, this person's a Christian, right? So I looked at her and I said, yes, God is good. No, I I said, yes, God is good. And all of a sudden we were like, okay, now she's like, okay, who would say that back to me? And then we just found, you know, we just got in this, we're trying to out-bless each other at that point. You know, it's kind of a neat thing. Listen, listen, what I love about the story of Ruth is that God shows Himself faithful every step of the way, and I don't know what your faith would today, but I want you to know that God has given you a faith—not faith in yourself, but faith in a Savior who's faithful. That's why Jesus says, "Listen, I want to give you peace, but in this world, listen, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Take every step with me, so no matter what your faith would. So here you have, here you have Ruth." who's lying at the feet of this man, who does everything her mother-in-law says to do. And God is going to bless her act of faith. You've got to come next week because we're going to see it. But God's going to bless her act of faith just to obey. She obeyed the word of the Lord. And I know sometimes you just look at things in the world like, God, how are you going to work this out? Or why am I going through this? And I've got to fall back on the promises of God. I've got to fall back on those. That God, you are faithful. That God, you are never going to leave me or forsake me. I know that your promises are true. And what God does for Naomi and Ruth is just show that he is a faithful God. And listen, I wish God would act quicker sometimes, right? We all struggle. Man, I wish God would, would act. But you know what? Your faith is your faith. And God is going to take you through things in your life to strengthen your faith. Amen? And sometimes you're alone in that faith. Like, God, I've got to trust you. I'm the only one walking this. He he will bring people alongside of us, the body of Christ alongside of us to encourage us. Thank God for that. We need that. But there are times when we're just walking this faith and we're walking it. Alone, And God wants to show you that he is faithful to you, that he wants to encourage your faith. And it's that obedience to the Lord and obedience to his word, that God will give you a joy in your faith. And, and it's simply praying this when, when our faith gets rocked or, or it, it, we just don't sense God or we feel far from God. I just want you to remind yourself just remind yourself that he will never leave you or forsake you. That his promises are true. And that you can look back over your life and see, okay, God, I, you, you, have you ever done that where you just look back and you kind of forget your situation of like, oh yeah, God, you did get me through that. Oh yeah, you did do. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's looking back and remember the faithfulness of God each and every step of the way. He's faithful. And I don't understand why he does certain things, certain ways, but he is faithful. And sometimes that's all we have. Sometimes that's all we have. God, you're faithful. And and sometimes we just need to pray this prayer. God, my faith is weak and I need you to strengthen my faith. That's okay. That's okay to pray that prayer. Say, God, my faith is weak here. I don't know what you're doing. He loves those prayers of like, God, I just need you. I just, I, just, I just need you, and I need you to strengthen my faith. And it doesn't matter what other people may say or how encouraging other people are, but sometimes you just need to hear that and know that God is going to strengthen your faith and allow you to face whatever you're facing with, with Christ right beside you and in you and with you. That's why he gives us his Holy Spirit so we don't have to face things alone. I, um, I, read, the, I read this story it's just an incredible story about this young student from Orlando, Florida, and um, th- there's a thing that happens around our country in the beginning of September. It's called See at the Pole, and our our students uh, participate in it. The schools around here participate in it. Basically, what See at the Pole is, it's um, it's it's students uh, during a certain day at the beginning of September, the beginning of school year, will stand around their flagpoles and pray, pray for their country. Uh, pray for their, their teachers, pray for the students, and just pray for God to move in our country. It's a beautiful thing to see that. And it started in 1990. And when I was a youth pastor in South Carolina, uh, our youth group would participate in it. A lot of these kids went to big high schools. So you, sometimes you'd see hundreds of kids standing around a flagpole. And it was a sight to behold seeing them praying for their, for their school and for their teachers, and administration, and for our country. It was a beautiful thing to see. Well, I read the story of a boy named Hayden. Hayden went to his flagpole on see at the pole a couple years ago. But here's Hayden. I want to show a picture of Hayden. I've got a picture of him. He was the only one there. Now, he's expecting other people to show up, But he was the only one there. And somebody that was driving by another parent saw Hayden standing there by himself and took a picture. And then eventually it got back to his mom that he was the only one there. This is what was said about Hayden. His mom said this. He thought he would simply pray until someone else came along. Eventually he realized no one else was coming. Then the cry of his heart changed. He asked God that he would do something in him as he stood alone. And he stood there alone in his faith. He could have gave up. He could have walked away because nobody else was there with him. He could have felt embarrassed. Hayden didn't do that. He goes, if I'm the only one standing, then I'm the only one standing. That's faith. That's faith. That's faith. Listen, I don't know what you're faced with, and you may feel like, man, I'm the only one standing. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm the only one standing for my family. I'm the only one standing for my kids. I'm the only one standing at my job. I'm the only one standing in in, in whatever the situation may be, but I'm going to tell you, you keep standing. By faith, keep standing. I know it's discouraging. I know our world is discouraging. I know we're in another political cycle. God help us. Right? Oh my goodness. Keep standing. Let the word of God, your faith in Christ Jesus, the love of Christ Jesus to envelop your heart. And don't be discouraged for our God is for us. He's in control. He's a sovereign God. And at the end, guess what? He wins. He does. And so for us here and now, let us live with that faith of God. You've called us to something greater. Fill me with your love and your compassion for this world. But let me stand even when no one else is standing. Let me do the right thing when no one else is doing the right thing. And let us do it with humility, with love, With compassion, but let us do the right thing. So here's the thing Ruth and Naomi followed God. Ruth, who didn't know everything about God, trusted and believed. And little bit by little bit, God showed himself faithful because of her obedience. And let me tell you, the book of Ruth just keeps getting better. It's going to get better. Next week, We got, I think we've got 10 more weeks in the book of Ruth. No, I'm just teasing. Um, we got a couple more weeks in the book of Ruth, but it just keeps getting better because God shows himself faithful when we are obedient to him and remain strong in our faith. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know where your faith is today. It might, You might be struggling. Pray, God, increase and strengthen my faith in you. Give me that joy that I need to serve you, and if I'm the only one standing, then I'm the only one standing. But I know, Lord, you are faithful, and I know your promises are true. So I want to pray for you, no matter where you are in your life today. I want to pray for you for that strength in your life. We're going to take we're going to take communion together, and we're going to thank Christ for His sacrifice as we take communion today. Um, it was so cute before the service there was two young girls who wanted to understand what communion was for so her mom and i explained what communion was and like a light bulb went on there they're like wow that's neat what i loved about the two little girls is that they i talked about communion it's 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 a union when we take communion we're taking it as a family together and recognizing that Christ is our savior that that these emblems they symbolize his body and his blood. And it's to bring us together as the church. It unites us together under the headship of Jesus Christ. So we need each other. We need each other. We need the strength. We need to pray for each other. So as we we take communion, can we pray this prayer? God, unify our faith. Make us strong together as the church. May we not allow all the things, all the rhetoric that's going on in our world today to divide us. But may we allow the blood and the body of Jesus Christ to unite us, to come together, to strengthen us as we proclaim this wonderful message of Jesus Christ to the world. Amen. So let's make that our prayer today as he strengthened us today. Father God, as we just uh, come before you today, I, I thank you for your word. I pray for just everyone here, those watching online that are just struggling in their faith. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen their faith, that they would be obedient even when it doesn't make sense, that they would be obedient to your word even when the world would say otherwise. And I know, Lord, you are faithful to us, that you provide for us in ways that we could never even imagine or hope for. So we put our trust and our faith in you today. As we take communion today, Lord, I pray that you would unify Living Word Church. Unify us, God. Bring us together under the mighty headship of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And as we recognize this beautiful, beautiful sacrifice that you did for us, your body and your blood that was shed for us, may it unite us as the body of Christ. May we pray for each other. May we not allow other things that, have, that don't pertain to the message of Jesus Christ to divide us. But Lord, may you unite us to be strong in the face of the world that, uh, that, that we are facing today, God. Unite us through the love of Jesus Christ. And his death. We love you, we thank you. And as we partake of this today, cleanse us anew and afresh today. Bind us together through your through your love. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's let's partake communion. The the top foil on does the the wafer and then the next foil. Um you can take out the the juice there and we'll partake of this together. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Father God, thank you for this. The wafer that symbolizes the bread, that symbolizes your body that was given for us as we take this together as your church, Lord. We thank you for giving everything for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Amen. Lord, thank you for this cup that symbolizes your blood. Without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. Thank you that you've forgiven us. Bind us together through your precious blood. Forgive us, God. Thank you for your cleansing power and forgiveness that can only come through Jesus, who is Lord and Savior, who is God. The only way to God is through Christ, and we recognize that today as we take communion. Bind us together, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen, Let's partake of the cup together. Amen, amen, amen.